Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. in the house of God, man. I am excited. I'm excited for next weekend. I'm, I'm, it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful service. Um, Brother Angel is used mightily by God. And um, if, 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 uh, if you have any friends, look, don't, don't, even, don't even worry about Pastor's Day. It's going to be a day where God is going to speak. I want you to bring somebody. I want you to invite somebody, and I believe that God is going to speak into their lives like he has um, Sunday after Sunday. God is speaking, amen? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is speaking? God is speaking still. He is speaking. This morning uh, in our Spanish service, Pastor Maritza, she gave a word, and I just saw how it lined up so so much with the word um, that God had given to me today. And it's, it's kind of funny. A few, a few weeks ago, uh, a friend of mine, I was kind of telling him about the church. He was asking a lot of questions, and, and you know, I, I, we, were, I, we were old friends, and, and you know, he we're kind of catching up and he was, you know, asking me about how it is to be, you know, the pastor and, and all that stuff. And I said, well, I kind of explained to him the structure of our, of our, of our church and, and, and how we, we have a Spanish organization as well and, and Spanish pastors. And, and so he asked me, how, how is that? Do you, do you get um, together and kind of plan out uh, the, the, the sermons and, and preach the same sermon? And I, and I said, no, um, you know, I, God, God is going to speak through, through his servants, and, and, and God is going to speak through Pastor Jane and Pastor Marisa, and he's going to speak through me, and, and we don't need to get together. And, and less, you know, sometimes there's a need for that. But I, I feel like God just works it out on his own, where we don't, we don't talk about, hey, what, what are you preaching on this week? What, what am I preaching on this week? But God, he is speaking. He is the one who deposits the word in, in, into his servants. And, and uh, so I want to I want to preach this morning out of the book of Galatians. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Galatians, we're going to be reading from chapter 5. Chapter 5. And just to kind of provide a little bit of context, Paul is writing to Christians who are being taught and some even pressured to adhere to the old covenant, even though Christ came to fulfill the law. And so there are these Christians who are believing in a works-based Christianity. And I talked about this a few weeks ago in a message called One Thing. You can go back to listen to it on the Numa Church podcast if you missed it. And we talked about holiness. And we talked about how holiness is not so much about what you do, but rather who you are connected to. Because who you're connected to will lead you into all righteousness and holiness. Amen? And... Man, I I think it's crazy how we still struggle with the same types of things that the very early church struggled with and was taught against. The Galatians thought that there was this extra layer of Christianity, if you will, that they had to adopt in order to be, I don't know, more saved. I I don't know what they were thinking, but Paul says, no, Christ is the one who saves. And if you want to be holy, you have to be guided by the Holy One. So I want to read that. We're going to read a little bit more this morning. I hope you don't mind. It's starting with verse 20. I'm sorry, verse 1, all the way through 25. If you, you have it, can you say amen? amen? And if you don't, I have it up here for you. It says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. 
Look, I, Paul, say to you, if you accept circumcision, listen to the persuasion in his voice here. If you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For, through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Verse 7 says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Skipping down to verse 16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. You ready? It says sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things alike. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit, someone say fruit. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, because I know that you have spoken this morning, my God, and I just pray that I can be a mouthpiece, Father God, by which your Holy Spirit speaks, my God. I pray that we may, uh, we may listen, my God, uh, to this word, my God, and they may, it may fall on fertile ground on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I entitled the message this morning, Be Led. Very simple. Be Led. I think this is one of the best scriptures that gives stark contrast between the flesh and the spirit. It's also a, 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 a passage that makes clear to us Christians that even Christians still struggle with the things of the flesh. Amen. You're in church. You can be honest, okay? Even Christians struggle with things of the flesh, but we're called away from that. We're called away from a life that seeks to satisfy the flesh. We're, we're called to crucify the flesh, die to ourselves, and be raised to life in Christ Jesus. When we do that, it's not that we stop being carnal humans, right? We, we, we are still going to want to, to please ourselves as, as humans. We like to eat. Amen? Some of y'all waiting to go eat after church. We like to sleep. Pastor Melissa says, man, if she, she says, if I could just sleep all day, I'm good. I'm like, if you're sleeping all day, you're not even living. Like, uh, to each their own. <laughs> we like to relax. We like to go on vacation, uh, vacation. We like to have fun. Those are all things that satisfy the flesh, and we are not to assume that those things are sinful. Asceticism 
is, is, is also spoken about against in the Bible. The ascetics, they were people who believed, kind of like the Buddhists, that you had to avoid all types of self-indulgence. Because they believe that, that the only way to escape evil was to escape the flesh. And so they deny themselves of everything. And they feel bad when they have too much fun. Or when something tastes good and satisfying and pleasing. But much of what we do as humans is not sinful, even though it's done in the flesh. The problem, you ready for the problem? Is that the flesh desires more than just what's innocent. It's always wanting more. Because it's selfish. It wants to, to, to be fed. It shows no regard to the spirit because the flesh and the spirit are two different things. And so if we are living to, to, to satisfy our flesh, our spirit gets neglected because we're not following the spirit. Our spirit wants to follow the Holy Spirit. And if he's not following the Holy Spirit, our spirit begins to weaken. That's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. When you choose your flesh over your spirit one day, can I tell you that it's, it's going to be easier to, to choose it again the next day? It just gets easier. And this is how we fall away from the things of God, from the purpose of God, from the calling of God, from the character that God would have us possess. And sin begins to grow. The more of the flesh we let in, the more spirit gets out. And James says, and 1, 14, 15 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, a.k.a. the flesh. And then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so as much as we would like to think that this is a message for, for non-believers, this is a, a message for us, church. Is very much a message for believers. Paul is writing to the body of Christ because he knows that the Holy Spirit doesn't exempt us from being exposed to the realities of the world. So he says you must choose the spirit over the flesh. Someone say choose. It is a choice. You've got to choose the spirit over the flesh. And the, bringing, the, the reason that I want to bring this message this morning, man, is because if we aren't careful, church, we can become Christians by title and not by character. Christians by title and not by character. There are too many Christians in our world giving Christ a bad name by the way that they speak, by the way that they deal with people, the way that they treat people, by the way that they speak, by the way that they post, by the way that they comment. I mean, you name it. See, people don't always realize that, that Jesus is the one who saves. And if we have, if we have new Christians in here because, man, praise God, uh, we, we're a church that, that, that God is doing something. And we have a lot of new believers. And I want to tell you something. Jesus is the one who saves, but it's the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the helper, who helps shape your character. And character is important. So it's probably not the most uh, creative of my sermon titles, but be led, meaning be led by the spirit. You know, I, I never know who is kind of newer to the, to the church, who doesn't, who don't maybe know what pneuma means, or some of you call it panuma. Uh, the P is silent. Okay. Uh, last year, we changed the name of our church to pneuma. 
and uh, we never we never looked back. <laughs> and Numa was a. Uh, it had been in my it had been in my heart for I would say maybe four years, even before I became you know, the lead pastor. My dad was still pastoring at the time, and we were kind of thinking about changing the name. And I threw some, we threw some names out, and I said, "What about Numa?" And I kind of explained, you know, I told him what it meant and, and, and why we could go in this direction. And, and he loved it. And, and we're like, okay, we're going to do it. And I said, I told him, okay, before you retire, you should do the name change because, you know, you just go out with a bang. And he was like, no, nice try. You, that's your responsibility, right? And uh, so I, I was like, man, that's going to be, I'm going to come in as a new pastor and start changing everything like the name. Like I, I'm going to, I don't know if that's, that's smart, right? So I waited for, uh, I waited for a year. And then at the end of two, uh, 2019, we, uh, we, we, we introduced the name Numa. And the name Numa means, what does it mean, church? Spirit. Spirit. It can also mean breath. And I remember when I was, I, was, uh, I take pride in the, the, the Numa logo. Um, I designed it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I tried, I was trying all these different mock-ups and I was sending them to, to my sister. I was sending them to Pastor Danny Maritza. I was sending them to everybody. And, and they're like, no, no, not that. And because and, um, pneuma can also mean breath and, and, or wind, right? Breath as in the breath of God, right? God who is in essence a spirit. When God breathed life into Adam, what was he breathing in him? Spirit. No other creation, has the breath of God in them. That's what makes us unique image bearers of God. The fact that we possess a spirit because God breathed life, his spirit into us. Now in the New Testament, pneuma is the Greek word. It is also the word that is used for the Holy Spirit. And so as a church, the name change isn't simply for rebranding purposes. It was to intentionally step into a new identity. One that I believe every church is called to walk in. And so our mission as a church is to be what? Moved, I love it, I love it. Moved, led, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not just supposed to sound nice. It's something that I want to practice in my own life. It's something that I want to practice here at our church because we could easily be a church led by emotions. We could easily be a church led by the music, led by the production, led by the lights, led by the leader who's up here. But that's not what it's about. We are called to be moved, led, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to be guided completely in my day-to-day life by the Holy Spirit because I know that sometimes, not sometimes, most of the time, I can be foolish, I can be selfish, I can be dumb. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is perfect. And he leads us into all righteousness. And so I believe that if we live by that rule, that mission to be moved, led, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, more oftentimes than not, we will be guided by the Spirit. And this is the argument that Paul is making to the Galatians. He's saying, you're not just justified by your works. You're not justified by the law. You can't even keep the law perfectly. You are justified by the Spirit of God who leads you into righteousness. So, so be led by the spirit, not by the false teachers, not by your emotions, not by pressure to do things that, that, that God never even asks us to do. Be led by the spirit. Now the problem that is so common amongst Christians, we all struggle with this. I struggle with this. 
You know, sometimes we say, man, I've been, I've been a Christian for a long time. Why do I still struggle with the same thing? Why do I still struggle? It, it might not be, it might not be like a deep addiction or anything like that, but, but maybe you've had that anger problem for like ever. Maybe you've had those fits of rage. Maybe you've had a problem with jealousy and you're like, why? I've been a Christian for a long time. Why am I still struggling with the same thing? Why do I still have the urge to go back to that which God called me out of? Why do I give in to temptation more often than I should? Why do I lose my temper? The answer is simple. We're not always being led by the Spirit. Even though we've been saved, even though we've been made new, we don't always give permission to the Holy Spirit to lead us in our day-to-day. A person who has received Christ like I believe many of us have in this room. You've accepted him as Lord and Savior. But we're not always being led by the Spirit. Can we agree on the theology of that? Or does everybody say, I'm always being led by the Spirit, Pastor? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. This, this isn't to say that the Holy Spirit doesn't live in us. Right? Having accepted Christ, we live by the Spirit. We're a new creation. We live by the grace and the love and the goodness of God. That's all given to us by the Spirit. But we're not always walking behind the Spirit at every given moment. It's not the Holy Spirit when you're acting out in anger and your reaction is foolish. That's not the Holy Spirit. I know you've been saved, brother, but the Holy Spirit's not talking right now. It's not the Holy Spirit when you're putting yourself down constantly. It's not the Holy Spirit when you tell that small little white lie to spare some inconveniences. That's not the Holy Spirit when you cast judgment on someone else when there is a needle in your own eye. And so I say again, live by, if we live by the Spirit, we're not always led by the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit takes intentionality. I'll say that again. To be led by the Spirit takes intentionality. You have to make the Holy Spirit your leader. See, our, our, our lifestyle has been changed through Christ. And maybe you've seen it in your own life. God has just transformed the way that you think, the way that you behave. He's transformed your marriage. He's transformed your relationships. He has transformed so many things. And you are walking by the Spirit. Salvation. Salvation on our part is passive. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. It's only by by the grace of God and by the faith that we put in Jesus. That is the only thing Jesus does the saving, right? So I want you to get this. Salvation is passive, but sanctification is active. You have to work for it. You, you, You have to put some intention Behind it, Paul says in verse 25, since you now live by the Spirit, let us keep in step in the Spirit. The Greek verb, it's a verb that that Paul uses there, stoichen. Stoichen literally means to walk in a row. As in, follow the leader. So, in other words, if you're a Christian, get behind the Holy Spirit and let him lead you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. I believe this is why so many people who come to Christ don't always stay in Christ. Because they don't know how to get in line. They don't know how to stay in line. Or maybe, you have, maybe you've been in Christ for a long time, but you haven't grown spiritually. 
You become stagnant in your Christianity, uh, stunting your own growth because you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to truly take the lead in your day-to-day life. I remember when Layla first started school, she would be, uh, she'd be so proud um, on those days where, where the teacher would make her the line leader. And she'd come home and she'd be like, Daddy, you know what I was today? She was like, I was a line leader. And I was like, that's what's up, girl. You lead that line. And, and because it, it takes, there's so much pride in being the line leader when you're a kid. I remember being in school and, and I, if I was a line leader, like there was a, there was a responsibility attached to it, right? If the, if the teacher was telling everybody to re- be quiet, you have to like be like, hey guys, we got to settle down, right? There's, there's pride in that and, and to be, and to being the leader of the line. When you come to Christ, you're not the line leader anymore. You're not leading your own life. Because when we do the leading, we lead ourselves into death. When your flesh is still making the decisions. Nah, I'm good. I I don't know about church today. I'm upset. I don't feel like talking to God today. Right? I'm going through some struggles right now. I don't have the emotional energy to be Christ-like. We don't say these things out loud. But we deal with them internally. And sometimes it's because we have the Holy Spirit walking behind us. You know, we might keep them close by just in case, you know, you know, danger comes and we, hey, Holy Spirit, come on, I need you, right? But, but I, think, I think when we feel like we've got everything under control, we like to take the lead. And so often we allow our emotions and our intellect and our resources and our friends to lead us and we put the Holy Spirit behind us. And church, the longer that we go without being led by the Spirit, the further away from God we are going to become and the closer to our old selves we are going to get to. That's where the flesh wants to go. It wants to go home. It wants to go back to where it was, to where it was comfortable, to where it was being satisfied on a day-to-day basis. It wants to go back to the things that God called you out of. Paul calls it the the, the yoke of slavery. It wants to to go back to those spiritually toxic relationships. Come on, somebody. Anger wants to be let out. Sadness wants to be let out. When, when, When you deal with trauma in an unhealthy way. But the spirit wants to be in the spirit. And this is the spiritual warfare that takes place in our lives. Spiritual warfare, the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit is against the flesh. And you say, well, how, how can that be? How can two natures just, just be contradictory to each other? We're supposed to choose the spirit. And so whoever is taking the lead in your life right now, if it's the flesh, the flesh doesn't want to go in the direction of the spirit. And the spirit doesn't want to go in the direction of the flesh. So, so who's running the show? Who's running the show in the mornings when you wake up? Don't answer that, right? <laughs> but the Holy Spirit wants to build your character. And that will develop fruit. The fruit is the outward sign of the Holy Spirit indwelling. I want to talk about the fruit for a second. See, the Galatians were being taught 
a works-based salvation, that we're being taught that circumcision was still necessary, that your flesh had to do something in order for your spirit to be revived. That's dumb. The flesh has no power over the spirit. So nothing that you do in your flesh is going to give you power over the spiritual realm. And today, man, we, we have our own version of circumcision that we like to adhere to. And I don't want to repeat my sermon from a few weeks ago. But the evidence of your sanctification is seen in the fruit that you produce. Not in your actions. Actions can be faked. Fruit can't. And so Jesus says, when you pray, what do you say? Pray where nobody can see you. Go in your closet. Close the door. When you fast, you don't need to tell the world, oh, I'm fasting. Oh, that looks real good. I can't eat it, though. You, know, you want to know why? <laughs> and we're like, but, but, then, but Jesus, how will people know I'm a Christian? Right? How will my family know that I still go to church unless I take a selfie after church in front of the Numa church sign? Right? I got I to gotta post those verses to Facebook so that people know I read my Bible. Right? And sometimes we think that if we, if we portray Christian things, people will assume we're Christian, and they might. But Christianity by, by, by title is not really what's important here. It's Christianity by character. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 16 through 20, he says, you will recognize them by their fruit. Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. Anybody got fruit this morning? Paul says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These... These nine fruits are products of the Holy Spirit. They're not just cute little characteristics that complement the Holy Spirit. These are attributes that serve as evidence of the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life. So this is very important. If you haven't paid attention to anything, I want you to pay attention to this. Because this is the Holy Spirit wanting to develop your character. And he gives us these nine fruits that they will recognize you by. If you're a Christian and you have a hard time producing love for people, if there's never peace in your spirit, if you're always worried, if you're always anxious, if you're always scared, if you are living in fear, if you never have joy, if people tell you, why don't you ever smile, man? And you're a Christian. It might be because you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to take the lead. And so you're always angry because you haven't replaced it anger with joy because you're being led by your anger, not by the Holy Spirit. Now, this doesn't mean that you're not saved. You can, you, Jesus saves. But it does mean that you may be in very dangerous territory. Okay, because the Holy Spirit is our counselor. 
He is our helper. He brings us conviction. It's the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen, man. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us withstand attacks from the enemy and still persevere. Don't ever, don't ever think about the Holy Spirit as an accessory to your Christianity. He's not the cherry on top. He is equal to God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They are three in one. He is God. He is not a piece of jewelry that you just decide to put on one day. The Holy Spirit is important, man. His guidance, his leadership in your life, it is essential. You know, I believe that that Pentecostal churches like ours, we do a very good job of emphasizing the gifts of the Spirit. But maybe we don't do the best job emphasizing the fruit of the Spirit. When really they go hand in hand. You can be gifted by the Spirit for ministry and yet fail to produce the fruit. Which I think is really, really dangerous. Because now you possess a very powerful gift given by the Spirit, but your character is not saying anything that the Spirit is wanting you to say. And so now you have this, like mass, this, this weapon of mass destruction in the hands of a child. And this is, this is, man, this is a fear of mine, just, just as, as, a, as a minister, that I would ever get to a point where I haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to fill my life, but I'm still expected to serve the church. That would be the worst feeling for me. I mean, I would feel ugly to know that I'm being used by the Spirit, but I've neglected the Holy Spirit in my personal life. Look, I, I know, you know, God, God has gifted, God has gifted me. God has gifted you. I know that God has gifted me. I'm confident in saying that because it's not, it's not by me, it's by God. I'm confident in saying that God has gifted me with the ability to minister in a variety of ways. And Sunday after Sunday, I come up here and I preach a message, a prophetic rema word of God. That is a responsibility that I cannot take lightly because, because of the gifting I have as a servant of God, I have to make sure that I am being led by the Spirit. It is my responsibility because, listen, if, if I go too long without following the Spirit, my fruit starts to go bad. And now the gifts aren't complementing the fruit. And now my sermons aren't being preached out of love. They're being preached out of anger. And now I'm pastoring out of frustration and irritability and not patience. And now I'm serving God as an obligation and not out of joy. You see what I'm saying? The fruit you produce is just as important as the gift you possess. Amen. If you're not bearing fruit, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I don't know who the Holy Spirit is talking to, but if you are not bearing fruit, you might need to connect to the Spirit. You've disconnected. You're still connected to the church. You still, you still live by the Spirit. You're, you've, been, you've been made whole again, but, but the character isn't being produced. Maybe your emotions lead you too much. Maybe peer pressure leads you too much. Maybe selfishness leads you too much. Switch positions with the Holy Spirit and make him take the lead. I'm almost done. I'm going to have the worship team come up.
A church, transformation of character, it happens at the spiritual level, right? You want to transform your character, it happens at the spiritual level. Because the Holy Spirit wants us to get back to what we were meant to be. What were we meant to be? We were meant to be a pleasing sacrifice, a, a pleasing aroma to God. We were called to be in the presence of God. We were never called to be cast out of his presence. But in order to be in the presence of the holy God, we have to be holy. We have to be pure. We have to be righteousness. And that is the Holy Spirit's job to sanctify us and to lead us into those things. I want you to notice something about the fruit of the Spirit that perhaps you've never realized before. These nine fruits are all characteristics of God himself. John tells us that God is a loving God. Nehemiah tells us that he is a joyful God. Paul tells us that he is the God of peace. Paul also says that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. God possesses all goodness and all faithfulness. In Jesus, God possesses meekness and gentleness. He is the God of self-control modeled by Jesus who lived a perfectly sinless life. These, are, these fruits are marks of a Christian because they are the mark of our perfect God. But the world has replaced love with a cheaper version of love. It's replaced it with, with, with hatred, with bitterness. It, it's replaced joy for sorrow and, and death and, 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 and frustration and anxiety. It's, it's, it's traded peace for chaos, kindness for disrespect, goodness for evil, faithfulness for unfaithfulness. You see the point that I'm making? Walk in the flesh. And you will do what is natural to what your flesh wants. You will begin to corrupt good fruit as Adam and Eve corrupted God's perfect creation because they were selfish. But you walk in the Spirit. When you follow the Spirit, Paul says you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Could it really be that easy? Could it really be that easy? For me to stop doing the thing that I, that I keep going back to, to that person that I keep on going back to, to that, to that sin, to that, to that way of thinking, is it really that easy that if I just walk in the Holy Spirit and I put him in front of me, I will, I will not do any of those things? Is it really that simple? Paul says yes, because the Spirit is against the flesh. When you're behind the Spirit, the Spirit isn't going to take you to things that, that satisfy your flesh. But are we walking behind the Spirit? Are we being led by the Spirit? I want you to stand with me. I can't, I can't tell you that... Um, I can't tell you that a, that a, that a one-time altar call is going to fix this. Because honestly, this is something that needs to be brought to the altar daily. When it, whenever, whenever I'm closing out the message, you know, I, there's, there's always a response. There's always a response. This one, this one I, I want to I make more of a challenge to you. Because you can come and you can be prayed for and you can say, God, I'm, I'm not going to do that again. And, 
But tomorrow's another day. And another day is another battle. The flesh is constantly in battle. It's, it's constantly at war with the spirit. This is something that we need to do daily. Every day we battle. Every day our flesh wants to be, every day our flesh wants to move in front of the spirit. The first thing that you do when you wake up, you probably reach for your phone. Maybe you open social media. Maybe you, maybe you read some news articles. The news is hardly ever good. And so we begin every day with entertainment, with, with comparison on social media, with disappointment when we read the news, with hurry as we're trying to get ourselves ready for work or the kids ready for the day. We start the day in the flesh. How do you think the rest of the day is going to go? What if we began each day following the Spirit? This is the challenge that I want to make to you. To begin every day in the Spirit. Instead of reaching for that phone, say a prayer. Say, God, thank you because you woke me up. Thank you because the sun is still rising. Thank you because I still have breath in my lungs. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this day. Thank you for my salvation. Just, just wake up in gratitude. What would that do, Brother Abraham, to the rest of our day if we just woke up in gratitude? Thank you, God. I want to make that challenge to you this morning, that you wake up and you put the Holy Spirit first. Because when he begins being first, I imagine the rest of the day, he's going to keep on being there. I want you to begin the day with the Holy Spirit, and I want you to end the day with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you dropped the ball during the day. Maybe someone ticked you off at work. Maybe your kid, you got home from work, you had a great day, and your kids ticked you off. I don't know. You need to go to God and say, God, Holy Spirit, I'll put you behind me again. My bad. And end the day with the Holy Spirit in front. Begin the day with the Holy Spirit in front. End the day with the Holy Spirit in front. And see what that does to your character. See what that does to your spiritual growth. See what that does to your relationships. See what that does to your joy. See what that does to your peace. See what that does to your level of self-control. See what that does to your spirit when you put the Holy Spirit in front of you. I'm going to ask that you bow your head this morning. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. And maybe some of us have, have neglected you, Holy Spirit. Maybe some of us have said, I, I've, got to, I've got salvation. I don't need sanctification. Holy Spirit, we're asking you to be first. Lead us into righteousness. Lead us into goodness. Lead us into peace. Lead us into kindness. Lead us into gentleness, my God. We put you first, Holy Spirit. If that's you right now, just begin to pray. Just begin to ask God. God, I'm, I need you first. I need you to be first in my life, Holy Spirit. I need you to lead me. I'm tired of struggling with the same things. I'm tired of not getting out of the same things that I've been struggling with. I'm tired of not growing spiritually. Holy Spirit, be first. Lead me. Sanctify me. 
worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.